Well, good morning. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The series is called Glory in the Church and the sermon is called Walk Worthy. There are many portraits of what the life of faith is like in the New Testament and one of them is it's like a walk. I mean, could there be a more simple, easy way to understand what God expects of us? I went on several walks this week. Lauren and I walked around Lake Catherine. It wasn't very eventful, but it was pretty sweet. And uh, there were a lot of other people walking out there. And we also took our two dogs for a walk this week. That was more eventful because one of them's a puppy and it was like his third walk and he doesn't know how to do it yet. Uh, He's biting the leash. He's going in the wrong direction. He's running and stopping. He's getting in our way. Uh, That was a hard walk. (laughs) But the Christian life is like a walk. Sometimes it is routine and ordinary. Sometimes it's a lot harder than you think. But today what we're going to talk about is what it means to walk worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let's pray and then we'll get into the book together. Heavenly Father, thank you for such simple portraits of what it means to follow you, to know you, and to do life with you. I pray that you would just help us to understand what it means to move forward in faith today. And I pray that you would use your word to strengthen us and direct us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he goes on to describe what that means. But the first thing you can write, this, write down is this. Number one, walk with Christ wherever he leads you. Uh, walk with Christ wherever he leads you. Now be careful here because when it says walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, um, we have to know what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that we earn heaven by becoming worthy. That doesn't mean that our life grows in merit enough to where we're finally worthy of becoming children of God. That's not what it means at all. When it says to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we're not showing our own worth. We're showing the worth of the one who saved us. It says he called us. He called us. And so it's because he called us that we're saved. And then we respond in a way that's worthy of that call. So be very careful there. Walking means showing the worth of Christ. And when we're talking about the worth of Christ, the worth of the gospel, that means that our life, our walk, our choices, our decisions, our words can actually show people the worth, the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. Check this out. This is a picture of a diamond and somebody who is holding up um, a lens to look into that diamond to see just how much it's worth. And if you know how to rate a diamond, there's all these different scales. You give it a letter, you give it a number. And if you have a skilled eye, you can figure out just how much that diamond is worth. Now, when people look at our lives, when they look at our walk, they should see the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have received. So, If that's what it means to walk worthy, what does it mean to walk in an unworthy manner? Well, that would mean that by our lives and our choices, we treat God and his commands and his forgiveness as if they were nothing, nothing of value anyway. Uh, We treat them as if they're worthless. And then you show others that your God and, and his grace, they're not your treasure. They're not what you're valuing. You're not walking in a manner worthy of the calling. Hey, maybe right now, honestly, people who know you think Jesus is junk to you. 
He's like hidden away in some drawer. He never comes up in conversation. You never really do anything to show how much he means to you. Hey, maybe Jesus is just junk to you and you're not walking in a manner worthy of the calling. Sometimes we feel like Jesus is getting in the way of our fun. Sometimes we feel like his commands are a burden to us. Sometimes we feel like we've tried to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord and we've done things God's way, but then it didn't take us where we thought. And so we conclude we've tried and we just can't. We've tried and it just didn't work. And so then because we're disappointed with the result, we turn and walk away and we're no longer walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Hey, I don't know what your motivation is, but are you walking in a manner that's unworthy of the Lord? We have a great role model here in the Apostle Paul because he said, I therefore a prisoner. He's in jail when he's writing this book. All right? So if you're like, well, if my life was three, three degrees better, then maybe I... Listen, here's a picture of what it was like to be the Apostle Paul when he was writing this book. Okay? While he was there, he told us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay? So if your situation is better than that, you've got no excuse. He was doing it from there. We know what it's like to be sheltered in place, to not be able to go out. We're all kind of in a slump, right, emotionally and socially. He couldn't leave home for years because he was in a prison. He was in jail. Hey, are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord wherever he leads you? Are you walking with Christ wherever he leads you? Even if jail is where you are, Paul is. And he's encouraging us to walk with Christ wherever he takes us. Write this down. Don't stop when life gets hard. Don't stop when life gets hard. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Hey, don't stop when life gets hard. He called, which means his voice is what drew us into this relationship. We're following his voice. And Jesus said that I'm the good shepherd, right? My sheep know my voice. They hear me. He's calling you to follow him. And we learned when we went through Psalm 23, that call might lead us to green pastures, that might lead us to dark, doomy, doom-filled valleys that are gloomy, that might lead us to a table full of enemies, like wherever he calls, we've got to follow. But we know where that ends, right? If we stay on the trail, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But we have to keep following the shepherd. Hey, don't stop when life gets hard. Don't stop, and, or worse, don't walk away when life gets hard because he's promised to lead you and to guide you safely. Too many Christians give up. They stop, usually because they're bitter. Something happens and they get bitter, but it also happens when they're bored. And are you bored? Are you, are you just bored, bored with Christianity, bored with the gospel, bored with Jesus, bored with life? Maybe that's why you're walking away. Hey, get back on the trail. When the Bible describes this walk, while it's a simple concept, the Bible describes the walk of faith as if we are on a treacherous trail. And if we step off of it, we don't just get hurt with some thorns, we fall and plummet to our death. Here's a picture of a treacherous trail. And the Bible says that we have to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord because if we take one step off of God's commands, we will plummet to our doom. Don't stop when life gets hard. Let me just encourage you. Do you need this call back? Do you need this 
this summons to stand at attention, right? To actually move forward with Christ. Have you been drifting? Have you been in a slump? Have you been down and out? Have you been tempted to quit? Do you feel like you're far from God? Or have you just given up? Do you feel like you've stopped trying and you're like, I quit. I just can't do it. Here's a funny picture of somebody uh, who, who just stuck his head in a cannon. <laughs> this is a decorative cannon, uh, so he was not in danger. But that, that could be you right now spiritually. I quit. Just take me out. And if that's you, I would just say, listen. And listen carefully. Get your head out of the cannon. Look up and move forward. It's time to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that you have received. Number one, walk with Christ wherever he leads you. And don't stop when life gets hard. Number two, write this down, bear with others in love. Bear with others in love. He goes on to say this, verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, all right, so the first point is kind of like, I'm going to try and get myself together, Lord. Like, I'm not doing so well. And now all these other people are around. And that makes it even harder. I've got to bear with others in love. The truest test of spiritual maturity is actually not Bible knowledge. Many people assume that if they know their Bible better, they're more spiritually mature. I went through a Bible study, and so I've leveled up. That's actually not the way spiritual maturity works. Too many people think that growing spiritually is like uh, getting better at, at spiritual jeopardy, right? Here's a picture of recently, earlier this year, Jeopardy had its greatest contest ever. These were the, uh, these were the greatest Jeopardy contestants ever, and they duked it out to see who was number one. And in many Christian circles, in many churches, they think Bible knowledge is spiritual maturity. Hey, listen, I've got to tell you, the Bible doesn't say that. If you're on the I know more Bible than you plan of, of spiritual maturity, I can tell you the truth, I can teach you, I can lecture you, I'm, I'm a water tower filled with, with truth and I'm just going to spill it on you. Hey, listen, that's not what spiritual maturity really is. Spiritual maturity is your relationships in community. Spiritual maturity is growing in love for other people. We have a small group-based model in our church, and we also have all these other ways to connect. We've got hope groups, uh, freedom groups, we've called them too. We've got uh, all these different groups that you can get together with. And sometimes when people start coming to our church, they're kind of like, wait a minute, where are all the Bible studies? They're a little reluctant to get that far into community. And then when they find out in small groups that we actually ask questions to check in on how they're doing, wow, some people are out. And I always get concerned when someone says, you know what, some people need that, but not me. Meaning some people need those relationships, but not me. These red uh, lights go on, red flags come up in my heart. Because that person usually thinks that spiritual maturity is Bible knowledge growth. But how can you bear with others in love if you are moving out of community, if you're not seeking that out? Hey, listen, the Bible is very clear. Love is the hardest test of faith to pass. That's the big one. You know what the Bible says, right? If I do not love, I'm getting a zero in God's grade book. Listen, no credit. None. 
without love. Bear with others in love. What does that mean? Well, it says here, with all humility. So jot this down, be humble. Being humble in relationships is one way that we bear with others in love. Humility means to right-size ourselves. It means we're not getting all, all full of ourselves, all hopped up with our own ego growing. Here's a picture of a guy who's got a big head, okay? He's got a big head. And uh, it's sad, but a lot of Christians who've been in the church for a long time, that's them. They've got an ego, and they think they're bigger than you and better than you and holier than you. And listen, if your head's getting bigger, your heart's getting smaller. And make no mistake about it, spiritual pride is the worst form of pride. Feeling like you are just at a different peak than other people, and you're looking down on others spiritually, watch out. Bear with one another's in love. It begins when we're humble, when we get low, and we right-size ourselves before the Lord. And then it says this, with all humility and gentleness. So write this down. Be gentle. Be gentle. Um, the word for gentleness means like you're, you're handling something with so much care. Uh, like you've got a breakable in your hands and you don't want to drop it. That's how people are. People are breakable. And we have to be very careful in relationships not to just mow people down. So right now in our life, I've mentioned we've we got a puppy. Okay, a puppy's name is Cosmo. Here's a picture of me the day that we picked Cosmo up. He is really cute. He is really adorable. And he's breakable. Like when we carry him around the house, he gets a little squirmy and he tries to, you know, he wants to jump. He wants to jump off the bed, jump off the couch, jump, right? And so we've had to catch him several times and be like, no, 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 you can't do that because you're a baby, Right? And so the way that you would carry around a, a little critter like that, who you want to protect from getting hurt, uh, that's the way that we have to interact with other people in the church and in our family and in our marriage and at our workplace. And listen, we can't get to the point where we just, you know, pick somebody up and just smash them down on the ground with what we say to them, right? Sometimes people pride themselves. Well, I'm not afraid to tell it like it is. And, and you just crush another person. That's not maturity. Maturity is being gentle. Maturity is being humble. Jot this down. Maturity is being patient. Patient. It says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing, carrying the burden together, putting up with other people so patiently. The idea of patience means that we are quick to listen, right? Our ears get very big. And we're willing to hear what other people are saying. Even if we don't agree with it, we can listen long. When there's a conflict, we can listen long, right? We're quick to listen and we're what? Slow to speak. And we are slow to anger. That means that every year that we go with Jesus, another year, our fuse should get that much longer. Our fuse of, of when we lose it, when we get angry, it should just get longer Fourth of July is next week, and we, uh, like me, maybe you set off fireworks growing up, and you always get one of them that's got a fuse that's just really short, and you're like, oh, do I? When I was a kid, I tried it. You know, it was like a game. Can I get it out of my finger fast enough? But here's a picture of a firework with a really short fuse. And sadly, this is how many Christians operate when life gets 
tense when relationships get hard. They've got such a short fuse with their spouse, such a short fuse with their boss. They just blow their top with their kids, right? And 2020 ain't helping with that. We seem to lose it easier and faster than ever. Bearing with one another in love means be humble, be gentle, be patient, and jot this down, be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. It says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That means that we want to heal relationships. We want to grow the church in unity. We don't want to be dividers, right? Sometimes when a, when a fight breaks out, sometimes when there's division, sometimes when somebody brings something up that's hard to hear, people are ready to go to war like, all right, you know, go ahead, punk, make my day. Uh, here's a picture of a, of a warrior, right? And, and sometimes, sadly, even in the church, uh, there are people who are just ready to go to war right? I will win no matter what it takes. They're not peacemakers. What we realize here is relationships truly test the maturity of our faith. And this is a hard truth to hear, but God uses the most challenging relationships that we have to teach us humility and gentleness and patience and peacemaking. That's where we learn it. So we have to embrace this process of having difficult people around us. And, and we have to commit to doing the slow and tedious work of cultivating strong and healthy relationships because it's worth it in the end. Number one, walking worthy means walk worthy with Christ wherever he leads you. Don't stop when life gets hard. Number two, bear with others in love. Be humble be gentle, be patient, be a peacemaker. And number three, jot this down, then maintain the unity of the Spirit. Maintain the unity of the Spirit. So, so you've, you've got these commitments down and you're going with Christ wherever he leads and then there's this ongoing call to understanding the nature of maintaining this unity that God has established. It says here in verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then it gives this wonderful description of what the church is. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is an amazing portrait and description of the church of Christ being united in every way. It's wonderful. So the question is, are you eagerly maintaining the unity of the Spirit? When I think about uh, people who were eager to maintain this, this, unified, this unified group, I remember reading about how a team of skydivers came to Chicago from all over the world back in 2015 uh, to break a world record. And the record they wanted to break was the record of a uh, face-down vertical jump. So they're all facing the earth and then they come together in a formation. The previous record had been set in 2012 by 138 skydivers, but uh, in July of 2015, they broke the record, and this was in Illinois. This was, this was in Illinois, right? Uh, they broke the record when 164 skydivers flying head down built the largest ever vertical skydiving formation. They smashed the previous record. They were traveling at, get this, 240 miles per hour. They had to be so careful because collisions at that speed could be fatal. And they only had about 60, or 60 to 80 seconds to keep this formation before they broke apart. So check out the video of them breaking this record right here. 
They did it. They did it, and it was unbelievable. But listen, even after they finished, three judges who were certified uh, to, to, to do this studied the video, and they even studied still shots to check that each flyer was in a predetermined slot in the formation and had his or her hand in the correct position, that they were all united at once. Check out this picture. So they didn't just do it. They had to actually hold it together, and they were being inspected by professional judges at 240 miles an hour, right, to make sure they were what? They were what? They were staying united. Here's another picture. They held together, and here's another picture of them actually doing it. I think that's a wonderful image of what the church is. I mean, it's just this impossible effort uh, as we're racing on toward eternity in this death-defying leap, right, to just stay together, right? And, and then there's going to be an inspection on how we did. And let me ask you this. Uh, are you that eager to stay together with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you that motivated? Are you that committed? Right? What a challenge. Maintain the unity of the Spirit. Of course, one question that you have to ask yourself is this, are you even united to Christ by faith? Are you even connected to that group yet? Jot this down, we're called to build a community united by faith. We're called to build a community united by faith. It says here, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So let me just ask you very simply, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the one Lord? That he is the only Messiah? Do you believe that Jesus came down from heaven to earth? That he lived the perfect life? That he died on the cross to take away your sins? That he was buried and on the third day he rose again? And then he ascended into heaven where he now rules at the right hand of his Father? Do you believe that only Jesus can promise you eternal life in heaven forever because it's his kingdom? Hey, listen, is that your faith? Because there's only one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And let me ask you this question. Have you been baptized after you have become a Christian to show the world that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Hey, listen, if there is one Lord and one faith and one baptism, this is a call to you. Have you gone public and told the world, your family, your friends, your co-workers, that you are in? Have you soared up next to that great formation which represents the church, the saints throughout all history, and grabbed on with your full strength? Or are you still just falling out there, just floating alone, and nothing has identified you with that group? Hey, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to get baptized. I can tell you my story. I was raised in the Catholic Church and I went to religious ed. Here's a picture of me getting confirmed. Maybe, you're, maybe you went through confirmation, right? That is me and that is a mullet because it was, the, it was the late 80s, early 90s whenever I did that, right? Maybe you went through some religious ceremony too, but listen, for me, I didn't really mean that. Like it was a joke to me at the time. My friends and I were making fun of it the whole time. So I wasn't saved. I was taught religion, but I wasn't saved. Not until I was a freshman in college, and then, then God called me unto salvation. I repented of my sins and got saved. Here's a picture of my baptism, uh, and I got baptized. I had long hair. I was in a metal band, right? That's a picture of my baptism, and I'll never forget that. So have you been saved, and have you been baptized after your salvation? Listen, the Bible says, test yourself to see if you're in the Lord. Test yourself. 
And if there is one faith and one baptism and one Lord, maybe it's time for you to embrace this opportunity to hear the call and to be united to the saints by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I'm calling you out. And on September 13th, we are planning an outdoor service for our 11th birthday, September 13th. That is going to be our next baptism service. It's going to be an outdoor baptism service. I want you to go to our website and go where it says fill out a prayer request. I want you to do it today. And I want you to write down, I want to get baptized on September 13th. Hey, listen, it says it right here. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's time. Maintain the unity of the Spirit. We are to build a community united by faith. That means we're not ashamed of the gospel. That means we are all in with that group of crazy people who are falling through the sky upside down. We're with them. Like, we're with them. And then jot this down. We're to build a community united by love. United by faith and united by love. It says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And it says in verse 4, there's one body. So this idea of a body and this idea of a family of faith, they're, they're very intimate. We are fused together at the soul for eternity. That's being fused together with all other Christians at the soul for eternity is really terrifying, right? Could you make a list of 10 people you'd want to spend 20 years with on a deserted island? We're going to be in heaven together forever, but thankfully there's one hope, which means that we're going somewhere that's perfect, and we're going to become people who are perfect as well. That's our hope. So we're building a community united by love. Hey, are you strengthening and encouraging other believers like a body? Like they're your body. I like to run, as you know, and when I run, each part of the body has to work together. And several times throughout my running history, one body part took the rest of the body out. One time it was my calf muscle. It just, it just started throbbing and swelling, and then finally I couldn't run anymore. Another time it was my hamstrings. They locked up. And then another time my back went out. And then there was another time where a, a tiny little tendon in my foot, something happened, and oh my goodness, the pain. The pain in that foot is just one part but it stopped the whole body. And then I had to limp home. Hey, listen, are you strengthening and encouraging other believers like a body part? Or are you trying to go it alone? Are you an amputated body part? Keeping your distance from other Christians, that's not the life God has for you. Listen, that's not a worthy walk. We have to press into community and bear one another's burdens. We must embrace and enhance the unity that we experience in the family of God. Are you embracing that? And are you enhancing that? Or are you avoiding that? Maintain the unity of the Spirit by building a community united by faith and by building a community united by love. Hey, listen, we are permanently united by one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Let's build on that. We are permanently united like one body, like one family. Let's build on that. And as I close this message, let me just say, in, in just a few weeks, we're going to regather as a church. It's going to be so wonderful. But it's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little weird. We're going to be together worshiping in a different way. And all of us have problems from this year that we're going to be ready to share with each other. Let's allow this text to invite us as we regather, as we regather as a church, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Hey, as you get ready to come back to church, Walk with Christ wherever he's leading you 
Don't stop if your life has gotten hard. Hey, let's get ready to bear with one another in love by being humble and gentle and patient, by being peacemakers. Hey, let's make sure that we're maintaining the unity of the Spirit, building a community united by faith and united by love. If we commit ourselves to that, we will be walking worthy and we'll be doing it together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would make us to enjoy this unity that you have already purchased for us in Christ. Lord, I pray for those who right now are ready to commit their lives to Christ, to join in the family of faith. May they call out right now and say, Jesus, save me, unite me to the church, that I might walk with you in a manner worthy of the Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are just in a slump, they're stuck. Lord, they're down, they feel like giving up. I pray that you would use this message to turn them around. Show them, Lord, that if they're too close to the edge, it's time to get back on track, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, showing the value of Christ and pressing into community. I pray, Lord, that you would use this church as a family to lift up so many souls. And as we, as we plan to regather, Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen us in every way, all for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.